You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. The serious side of the J. Rao Show is coming up next right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more. She seems just fine to me. No more. She should have been more careful. No more. We don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. WWE Superstar Big Show here to tell you if you've been drinking, get a ride. Take a cab. Find another safe way to get home. Cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first. Very honored that you joined me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Farrell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what I do, baby. Man, what's crack a lacking, baby? What's crack a It's time for the serious side of the Jay Rowe Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. From NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. People in Jackson, Mississippi are preparing for the worst. Authorities are warning of devastating flooding from the rising Pearl River, which is expected to crest this evening. Governor Tate Reeves has declared a state of emergency, saying people in evacuation zones should not wait to leave. We expect the water to rise fairly quickly from here, but we think the worst of it is going to happen after nightfall. People have been filling trucks with furniture and other belongings, and Reeves says tens of thousands of sandbags have been distributed. A big storm is moving across the United Kingdom. Authorities there warning people who live in Scotland and Wales to protect themselves from what they're calling life-threatening floods. Britain's National Weather Service has issued hundreds of flood warnings. Several hundred American passengers on board the quarantined Diamond Princess cruise ship in Japan are expected to board a plane bound for the U.S. Today, they're being brought back to home for another two weeks of quarantine as Chinese health officials say the number of new cases in mainland China that coronavirus fell for a third straight day. 
Hong Kong, meanwhile, is delaying the restart of schools for another month over concerns about the spread of the coronavirus. NPR's Jason Bobian is in Hong Kong. He reports classes are suspended until at least March 16th. Schools in Hong Kong were originally supposed to reopen on Monday, but city officials have decided to push back the start even further. The Secretary for Education for Hong Kong, Kevin Yang, says his department will ultimately make a decision on when classes will resume based on advice from health officials and once preventative supplies such as masks and sanitizer are readily available. Some teachers are continuing to offer classes online amid the virus outbreak, but these are primarily for older students. Parents of young children have few options as all the preschools and kindergartens remain shut down. The city has also told all non-emergency municipal employees to work from home for at least another week. Jason Bobian, NPR News, Hong Kong. Voters have been greeted by long lines in Nevada this weekend. The state kicked off early voting ahead of next weekend's Democratic Presidential Caucus. Presenter of member station KUNR reports that the lines in Las Vegas, Reno, and other urban areas extended into the parking lots. Here at this voting site in Carson City, Patrick Duffy was planning on selecting Bernie Sanders for his top choice, but... The line's just long, ridiculous. So I'll come back later in a second. Unfortunately, we've got a few more days, right? At the time, it was around an hour-long wait. This is the first time any state has used early voting as a part of its caucuses. It's a ranked vote ballot, which goes down the list if their first candidate isn't viable. Nevada Democrats say it's meant to make the caucuses more accessible and less time-consuming. Caucus Day itself is next Saturday. For NPR News, I'm Bree Zender in Carson City. And this is NPR News. Coming up next on The Serious Side. Senator and presidential candidate Amy Klobuchar is facing new scrutiny over an old case. 11-year-old Taisha Edwards was murdered when Klobuchar was Hennepin County attorney back in 2002. She frequently talks about the case while campaigning for president and in debates. There was a kid named Byron Phillips that was shot on his front porch. No one had bothered to figure out who did it. When I came into that office, we worked with the community groups, we put up billboards, we found the shooter, and we put him in jail. We did the same for the killer of a little girl named Taisha Edwards who was doing her homework at her kitchen table and was shot through the window. As May Murphy explains how new information is raising questions about that case. A white South Bend police officer shot and killed a black man. The incident has sparked outrage in the community and a call for Mayor Pete Buttigieg to take action. The 2020 Democratic presidential hopeful was in his home city for a town hall Sunday. Many people in attendance expressed their frustrations with the police department. Uh, but first, uh, I, I need to give it some background. Um, back in 2012, it was discovered that the police chief of South Bend, who was African-American, had been taping phone conversations of senior police officers who were allegedly using racist language, and particularly racist language uh, about him. You demoted the police chief. No action was taken against the officers in question. This morning, the former New York City mayor apologizing once again for his controversial stop-and-frisk policy after leaked audio of him defending the policing practice in 2015 went viral. Put those cops where the crime is in minority neighborhoods. Welcome to the serious side of the Jay Wild Show with Mrs. Vanessa Maybell. 
Mr. Jerome Esprit, the official texter of the show Mr. Johnny D, and Mr. Elias. Now here is your host, Jay Rowe. Good Sunday morning to you folks. My name is Jay Rowe and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Rowe Show. And today we will be discussing the following topics. This morning's show is dedicated to the in-depth look at the Democrats' black problem. We will look at the public candidates in this order, Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, and Mike Bloomberg. Yes, they have a black problem, and we're going to discuss that this morning. But I never share this stage by myself to introduce you to some of the very best in the business. First up, what I call the most smartest guy I know, the educated brother himself, my brother from another mother, the one and only Mr. Johnny Deer, the place to be. Good morning, John. How you doing, brother? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I, I am blessed and just, again, thankful to have another opportunity to uh, do God's will and serve my purpose. Uh, you know, I've gotten so accustomed to, to following the, the eloquence of of Miss Vanessa to threw me off to the cat Good morning to Miss Vanessa. I'm sure she's out traveling. Well, I think she's doing church this morning and and Les and Jerome and particularly you, my brother. Definitely uh, love you more than you'll ever know. Hey, man, that goes back and forth. The King loves me more than I love you, man. I appreciate you, your intelligence, and what you bring to the show every Sunday morning. Appreciate you. The man who really runs everything around here. The man who gets the first and last word here in the serious side. Man, I don't know what to call this dude. Man, he is just the greatest guy in the whole wide world. The one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. What's going on, man? How you doing? Good, 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 good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Hulk. Good morning, Jerome. And Vanessa, if you're listening, good morning. Nice to you, darling. That's right. Vanessa, you know Vanessa, she's Miss Retiree traveling all over the world. You know how that goes. But uh, one day we'll all be there. But uh, kudos to Vanessa doing her thing. The queen is out doing. That's right. Absolutely. And, of course, our colleague, Mr. Jerome Esprit, usually joins us after his commitment with Clear Channel Radio. But until then, we hold it down. The number is 347 We have a great show for you this morning. And we're going to introduce another, a new segment for you as we try to spice it up a little bit in 2020. A new segment called After the Break. Now, what is After the Break? Well, I'll tell you what. After the Break is when, before we go break, I'm going to ask our panelists a question. And I want them to think about it over the break. And then when we come back out of the break, they will have one minute, and I will be timing to respond to the question. So after the break's coming up a little later in the show, like I said, a lot of things to try to do to keep it going. But right now, it's time to get into this morning's show. And we talked about it at the beginning. If you're just joining us, today's show is about the Democrats' black problem. That's right. Each Democratic candidate has a black problem. We're going to take it. Take a look at three this morning because we're going to run out of time. We'll take a look at the other folks next week. But right now, let's concentrate on Amy Klobuchar. Here's the story. We'll talk about it on the other side. It was a horrifying case. An 11-year-old girl shot and killed by a stray bullet inside her own home as she did homework. A new investigation by the Associated Press and American Public Media raises questions about the police investigation and says another man in prison for another crime is now claiming he killed Taisha. 
From the start, 16-year-old Mayan Burrell insisted he was not involved. Taisha Edwards' mother and then Hennepin County Attorney Amy Klobuchar spoke out together after Burrell was convicted in 2003. He won't be able to hurt anybody else's children. But this is what needs to happen when there is this kind of gun violence, this kind of gang violence. That first guilty verdict was thrown out. In 2008, Burrell was tried and convicted again and sentenced to life in prison. Now, by the time of that second trial, Amy Klobuchar had not been county attorney for more than a year. In 2006, she was elected to the United States Senate. The then county attorney was Mike Freeman. But these activists say because Klobuchar was the first prosecutor and because she has brought it up on the campaign trail, she should step aside. So we are here today calling for Amy Klobuchar to immediately suspend her campaign for president of the United States. Burrell, who is now in his 30s, is still behind bars. His father also blames Klobuchar. Because Amy used my son's case. This is my son's life. You know, if you're talking about him, this is my son's life. We reached Taisha's sister, seen here after the first verdict, and she declined to comment. Klobuchar's campaign says if there is new evidence, it should be reviewed by the Hennepin County attorney. As May Murphy, WCCO 4 News. So we're going to start right there with Amy Klobuchar. She has an issue, and each candidate in this race has issues that they need to address when it comes to the African-American vote, because the bottom line is Democrats take that vote or that contingency as a given. And so with all the news that's happening with Bloomberg, we'll definitely talk about him later on in the show. I want to concentrate on these other uh, people. Let me start with you, Mr. Elias. Amy Klobuchar, you know, she has a big boost right now. The wind's behind her back, man. She's looking pretty good in some states. You know, she... You you know, she uh, she really did better than people anticipated in Iowa and New Hampshire. Matter of fact, in New Hampshire, she was in fourth place behind Elizabeth Warren and before the former frontrunner, Vice President Joe Biden. So this is an issue, man, that uh, that's come up this week. And so what do you think, man? What do you think she needs to do to address this? Should she have a conversation about this? Because like the piece said, she's been talking about the fact that she was standing firm with the family when this whole situation happened to that young African-American girl who unfortunately was killed while doing her homework. What does she have to do, man, to make this right? Or should she even address it at all? Act like it never happened. What say you? Well, no, yeah, she should address it, Jay. It's like uh, Devontae Sanders. When Devontae Sanders was accused of a, a crime that he didn't, even, and he had nothing to do with. He was a, I don't know, all those people who don't know who Devontae Sanders is. He was a 14 year old special needs child that went to jail at 14 years old because the Detroit police accused him of killing somebody. And the guy that was on that actually committed the crime said, hey, I did this. This kid was nowhere in, in, in sight of doing this, but yet still they sent this kid to jail. For I don't know how many years. He finally got out, needless to say. And I just watched another movie this weekend with the same with the same kind of uh, rhetoric, man, the same kind of thing that went on uh, with Devontae Sanders, where, where a guy in Alabama had nothing to do with it. His only crime was sleeping with a white woman, That, that if that's a crime. Uh, but that, in, in Alabama, it's a, I guess it's a crime. So he went to jail. He went to jail and was on death row for something he didn't do. Look, if you if the person didn't commit the crime and didn't do it, you need to address the issue. And that's just the bottom line. If if you if you if you mess that person's life up, you definitely 
need to address that issue and stop running from it. Stand firm, and, and if you made a mistake, admit to your mistakes because that's what happens. Well, now, okay, you're referring to the movie Just uh, Just Mercy, uh, which I asked everyone to take yeah. a look at. I think it's something that's going to have a positive impact on you once you take a look at the movie. You'll be a little upset at first, uh, any feelings whatsoever. Obviously, you'll see the injustice going on there. But let's get back to Amy because one of the things that we look at, we always look at Donald Trump and some of the things that he says and the effect that he has on the African-American community with some of his nonsense and his policies. But, you know, we have... You know, it's a thing called closets, and everybody has skeletons in their closet. And it looks like, based on what happened to Bloomberg this past week, once again, we will talk about uh, a little later in the show, the bottom line is is that Amy has this situation that's going on with her. Now, is it fair, Hulk, for us, anytime something happens, we want to accuse a person of not doing the right thing with African Americans? You know, it's a situation where, okay, Amy was, when I went back and looked at some of that footage, she was right there with the family in the whole nine yards. But the bottom line is now that this new controversy is starting to surface, you know, is this a situation that she needs to address? Or should she ignore it and say, you know what, hey, we're hearing a little bit of noise about it, but the bottom line is, you know, God dang it, we need to be so let's even address it because if we address it, it's going to shed some, you know, some not-so-positive light on our uh, campaign. What say you? Once again, it, it really uh, it bothers me when we get so caught up in the in the politic aspect of it. But of course, uh, the, it is what it is, and it's today's time. So I, I do want to say that I think sometimes that as as a black man in America, and we are we are more critical of those who prosecute as if. As if blacks are the only ones committing crimes, you know. So we we got this. We seem to take on this hard stance against prosecutors, and yet we give the, you know, defense attorneys carte blanche, and they're the ones that let these individuals that's victimizing our communities continuously come out. So I think sometimes that that we are far harsher on those who prosecute and try to enforce laws. And if you do it above the board, then I don't see any real issue. I, I think. What what speaks loudly to me is that when you look at the the, the Congress uh, woman who just got um, the rep, the Congresswoman who just got elected, uh, Omar, and then even the Attorney General. So those are two prominent people in the state of Minnesota, and yet they're backing Bernie Sanders. So that that right there speaks speaks volumes in the fact that she can't get support from the two highly. Uh, um, elected officials in her state to support her. Hmm. Um, very little has come out in regards to uh, Amy Globachar and her relationship with the African American community. I know in, in Minnesota they have a large Somalian population, and uh, I was there several years ago doing some training and had a chance to 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 tour the city. And uh, now this was prior to her becoming uh, as prominent in the state as as she has, but. Um, I understand she's got some challenges that, yeah, she's got to enforce some, and sometimes those those stereotypes and those generalizations play out, but then also they net the positive results. You know, in, in Minnesota, they've had individuals who have gone and, and been found to, to fight with uh, uh, ISIS and, and ISIL and, 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 you know, end up 
you know, basically trying to kill American soldiers. So she's got a real dilemma up in, in that particular area. Now, I think the wider reach, uh, she just doesn't appeal to me. Uh, she really doesn't. I, I, I find her to be uh, somewhat coarse. I find her to, to be an individual who um, early on I read about it and they said that even her staffers uh, don't particularly care for her because of her rigidness. And I'm not saying that, that you have to have in, you know, a, 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 a real soft sense towards people, but, but people generally do more when they like you. And so she has an appeal to me on that. Now, as far as her relationship with the African-American community and, and, and minorities, um, you know, like you say, uh, I think it just speaks volume that, that uh, Omar and the, and again, the, uh, the um, attorney general doesn't support in the state. Well, now, listen, when you bring up Omar, now, come on now, she's, to me, she's more of a Bernie Democrat. So is it fair to say, well, the reason why they're not supporting her is because of the fact of her past or she's not, you know, you know, make tickling their fancy or is it a situation where, you know, she's progressive and these people are more liberal? I mean, is it, is that a fair assessment? Uh, it, it could be, Jay, but I mean, still at some point, you, you would think that there would be some dialogue and some discussion because, again, as I said, you know, in, 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 in Minnesota, there is a large Somalian population and, and, and you know, Middle Eastern, uh, you know, influence. So if, if she's going to serve her constituents, then you would think that she would have some relationship. Now, I do think that, that Omar is, is, is far, you know, far more liberal than, than I would or progressive, as they like to say in today's uh, terms. But. You know, I still say that that speaks volumes. You know, it, it would be like if, if I'm running for an office here and I can't get the support of some real prominent uh, minorities or at least where they would have the, the you know, a, an opportunity to sit back and say, you know, I will have some dialogue with you because of these issues right here. And, yeah, I, again, she, she's a rigid person, kind of kind of in the moderate, you know, uh, Kind of in the moderate category, but I, I do think that there there would be some some dialogue and some support. And she just uh, just one of the candidates that I, I really haven't studied uh, as much, simply because she just does not uh, appeal to me. Uh, her message, uh, her demeanor, uh, her mannerisms are just a little bit uh, different than than what I would like to see a presidential candidate represent. But Elias, this is a situation where black people are just being too sensitive. Every time something that kind of goes sideways, you know, we're looking at it, oh, my goodness, you know, it's a race thing. Do we play the race card too much, especially when we talk about the Democratic, you know, campus? Because a lot of people talk about the Democratic firing squad, you know, eating with, eating with other which within. You know, we had this whole thing that happened to uh, uh, Franken, and, and, you know, Democrats are being, you know, criticized for, you know, not being on the same team, but at the same time, a situation like this, don't it deserves our attention? And, you know, are we rightfully, is it rightful, to, is it right to call these people out on this nonsense? Or if there's any type of conflict, don't the situation once again, we're being just a little too sensitive, and, you know, we need to get past this. Stop playing the race card every opportunity you get. What say you? Hell, you, you, sit, you sit in jail and be the one that's innocent of, of, of a crime. And tell me how sensitive you are about that. That that is some serious business, man. Who who in the hell wants to spend their life in jail 
over something they didn't do. Come on, man. That that, that that's just that that to me. No, that's not being too sensitive. That's not being too sensitive because hell, it could happen to any one of us because of the color of his skin. You know, for you to sit there, you know, and say that this man, like Vontae Sanders, I'll bring him up again. Then I mean, this this was a special needs child, special needs. So why would you, you know, why would you force him to say he did something? And, I, and that whole that, that whole thing is just following me. And the justice system is just, you know, like Richard Pryor says, it's just us. So the bottom line is, yes, this, this thing needs to be looked at. If the, if, if she and D uh, pull some foul stuff, man, yeah, it needs to be looked at. Because hey, man, I we don't need anybody else fouling the White House. We got enough foul people in the White House as we speak right now. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is our calling number. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. You're listening to the serious out of a beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning, February sixteenth, twenty twenty. All right, Johnny D. So, what can she say to make this situation right? What can she say? What, what, what do you want to hear from her to address this situation? If you were her, no, if you were really. advising her campaign. What would you say? Hey, Amy, this is what you need to do. You need to get out in front of this right now. Well, what do you tell her if you're a campaign manager? And, you know, I'm, I'm not one about idle tongues. So at, at this point, if you have based your whole career and your accomplishments on being one way, now is not the time, or at least to entertain me, to get up there and tell me what, what you think I want to hear. But, but I will say this right here. I think that this is the one election where African-Americans or the black vote has some, some real capital you know, uh, if, if you go back to 2012, 2016, there was a courting of the Hispanic and Latino vote. Uh, this year, clearly, this election is going to be won by the, the, the black vote and that turnout. So what I think we what, what I would want us to do in each state and, you know, as we move forward to, to come up with, with, with a doctrine to say, OK, these are the issues that 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 face us as, as a people and get a commitment and a promise in regards to this is how we're going to move forward. I just think that, you know, we, we, we oftentimes get taken for granted as, as, a, as a voting block by the Democrats, and it's proven even greater this year where the candidates don't even typically have a message, but yet they, they expect that, um, you know, hey, we, we know that we're going to get the African-American vote, but then if we don't turn out, then of course what happens is what the results were in 2016 and then also what happens is that you know those who sat there and act like they were so offended in 2016 and said that they were going to do something different went behind the curtain and voted for that criminal uh, Donald Trump so there's nothing really that she can say at this point other than the fact of, of having some some citizen re- re- review meetings and, and speaking with, with those individuals who can come before her and say look this, these are the areas where you hit and miss I'd like to see her voting uh, record on on those issues that face minority, uh, underprivileged, uh, um, handicapped individuals, uh, as well as the the, the the elderly. I mean, I want to see what it is that she's done in order to to advance and, and give those individuals a better quality of life. I'd like to see affordable housing. So those are the types of things that I that I believe that people need to focus on instead of come back and trying to undo what you've already done. You can't get that back. So I just like a sincere candidate who just says, look, okay, hey, maybe I missed on that and not try to not try to shift 
you know, the, 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 the shuffle and say, okay, but I did this right here. Step back and really assess and listen to the voices of the people who are struggling and then get out there and start making some provisions to make it happen. But at this point, there's nothing that she can say to come back and, and undo what she's already done. I just don't uh, favor those type of candidates. And I wish we would just be able to simply just say, okay, look, you are who you are. Your past was your past. But now what are you going to do moving forward? Now, but isn't that disingenuous, though? I mean, Mr. Elias, real quick, last one to you. Wouldn't that be considered disingenuous? Because now all of a sudden you want to apologize when you're running for president. I mean, the bottom line is this happened before. Why didn't you deal with it at the time? Now, I guess in Amy's situation, you know, this is a new revelation. I guess the reason why this came up is because of, you know, opposition research. People want to go out here and try to find out what you did and what you've done, you know. And so if you know you have, I guess for me, and I guess the hard part for me is if you know you have this stuff in your past and you know you're thinking about running for president at some point in time, Maybe you should address those issues so then when you decide to, you know, launch your presidency or your candidacy for the president, then you've already addressed it. People can't come back and use this against you for opposition research when you know dang on well that's going to happen when you're going to step out here and and try to compete for the highest office in the land. Kind of like what Barack Obama did with uh, with the cocaine issue. But he he said yeah I did cocaine when I was a youth I and like I did that and he and it was in his book so he addressed it he he addressed all that that's issue. interesting yeah that's what you should do I like the way you saw it's, it's, I, I didn't see that one coming that's good Mr. Elias I didn't see you do that that was all right that's all right give you some credit on that one yeah but I mean the bottom line is that uh, you got issues and, and we all got issues there's no perfect people in the world so you know we all have issues we all have things in our past that we have done that we're no we're not so proud of. You know, I should say, you know, but the bottom line is if you, if you, I mean, we're all human. You're going to make mistakes. There are no perfect people in the world. So get out in front of it and admit to your, admit to what you've done wrong. And then, you know, just like I said, I, I can't point my finger at somebody that I know I've done wrong. So, hey, look, it's what it is. But to put somebody away in, in jail and this person <laughs> Is innocent, and you got to sit there every day of your life, and you know you're innocent to deal with this mess, man. That that that's kind of harsh, man. That is harsh to deal with. Well, that's interesting. Uh, bottom line is, is that uh, once again, if you know you're going to run for president, and um, I don't know, it just seems to me that you would take the time to make sure that you address all these all these issues before you get on the world stage, because they're going to come out and. Uh, you know, you just makes you wonder, you know, what you're thinking about. All right, in this week's edition of Informant is Less, something that you need to know. There's a militia in Washington that's trying to become mainstream, right? It's not a paramilitary operation, but their efforts to try to go mainstream, which is amazing that we're having this conversation in 2020, but come on, you know who's the president of the United States. So something that you need to know in four minutes or less, and then we'll be right back. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show right here on the TJRS Radio Network Online Radio at its best. Thirty-five-year-old Matt Marshall runs a nonprofit. He serves on the school board through his group, the Washington Three Percent. He's challenging perceptions of the far-right militia movement, or he was. <laughs> 
until a domestic terrorism scandal became a test of his political ambitions. NPR's Hannah Alam has more from Washington State. Okay, who's got the red girl? Matt Marshall sits at a cafe in McKenna, a rural area outside of Seattle. It's the eve of a rally he's been planning for months. He writes last-minute notes in a book his daughter gave him for Christmas. In black marker on the cover, she's drawn the logo of the Washington 3%, her dad's militia. Except he doesn't like it when you call it that. We're absolutely not paramilitary. We're a nonprofit corporation. A nonprofit corporation, one that happens to be aligned with the Patriot Movement. That's a loose network of militias and self-described constitutionalist conservatives. They share the goal of limiting federal powers. Typically, they all get lumped together under one label, anti-government extremists. The narrative is we're an all-white man, Christian dominion type crazy out there far-right militia. Marshall has been on a mission to change that image. First, he registered the Washington 3% as an independent nonprofit corporation. Next, he ran for the local school board. Instantly, headlines focused on the militia angle. Marshall was frustrated. We're, we're stuck in the middle. So the true neo-Nazis hate us, which they should, because we hate them too. And if our left, who we don't have any problem with, uh, hate us because they believe that we're neo-Nazis. But Marshall won that seat on the school board. The victory was bigger. It was a ticket into the mainstream. Maybe Matt Marshall could separate his group from the extremist fringe. Then came the other Matt, Matt Shea. Inquiry finds state lawmaker engaged in domestic terrorism. That's a pretty memorable headline. A report commissioned by Washington state lawmakers tied Representative Matt Shea to three armed standoffs with the government. He's also accused of advocating, quote, biblical warfare. Shea became a pariah to his party and he lost his committee post. But he refuses to resign. Here he is last month speaking to supporters. Seattle Times says that uh, calling Matt Shea a domestic terrorist actually has made him more popular. Oh, that. And the fact is, they're trying to label us all domestic terrorists. Matt Shea might not have many friends left at the Capitol, but he's got a friend in Matt Marshall, along with many other supporters moved to militias throughout the region. Marshall says the claims against Shea are sensationalized. He knows he's gambling with his political future by standing up for Shea, and he thinks it's a safe bet. They can try to marginalize us as extremists all they want, but we're much more mainstream than they realize, and this is just proof that everybody is completely out of touch with the actual voters of the state. They never miss a trick. <laughs> They're always finding new venues and always finding new ways to present themselves. David Nywert is a Seattle-based writer and researcher who spent years tracking the mainstreaming of far-right groups in the Pacific Northwest. He says he's not buying the militia makeover. They can put the mask on for a while, but eventually it has to come off. And they always reveal who they are. I think that they often tell us who they are, and we just have to listen. It's Rally Day. Busloads of supporters head into downtown Seattle to hear what Matt Marshall has to say. They know police and anti-fascist protesters are already at the site. The 3% member gives a quick safety briefing. Well, no chit-chatting. Do not engage in people. Don't talk to them. Don't look at them. Watch your back and stay as close as you can in a group. As soon as the buses arrive, the protesters start to chant. Marshall steps up to the mic. People want to know what the Washington 3% stands for politically. It's very simple. We aren't right, we aren't left. He holds up a copy of the Constitution. This is what we use. This is the Constitution of the United States. Across the street, protesters try to drown him out. 
But the only place Matt Marshall plans to go is to the Capitol. A few days after the rally, he announced his next big move. He's running to be a state lawmaker. Hannah Lam, NPR News, Seattle. Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the call number three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. You're listening to the serious side of the Jim Brown Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. And this morning we're taking a look at the Democrats' black problem. That's right. I know some people may say, "My goodness, really? The Democrats? Absolutely, they have a problem." Even though the majority, percent plus folks. African-American folks claim to be Democrat or independent, but mostly Democrat. So, all right, it's time to take a look at the next candidate's black problem. And uh, this candidate, you know who he is. He's been doing very well uh, in the all-white states. Mayor Pete, let's take a look at what he has to say. We'll be right back after this. A white South Bend police officer shot and killed a black man. The incident has sparked outrage in the community and a call for Mayor Pete Buttigieg to take action. The 2020 Democratic presidential hopeful was in his home city for a town hall Sunday. Many people in attendance expressed their frustrations with the police department. One woman called for Mayor Buttigieg to eliminate racism from the force. Get the people that are racist off the streets. Reorganize your department. You can do that by Friday. Please let me let me calm down because I need you to hear me. You can do this by Friday of next week. I will say that if anyone who is on patrol is shown to be a racist or to do something racist in a way that is substantiated, that is their last day on the street. Sergeant Ryan O'Neill pulled the trigger in the June 16th incident and is on administrative leave. O'Neill says 53-year-old Eric Logan approached him with a knife. That's when the officer shot and killed him. O'Neill's body camera was not activated. So now Mayor Pete, this guy, you know, bottom line is is that he's not polling very high with the African-American community, and so now he has a black problem. So now, Hawk, let me start the conversation with you on this one. Mayor Pete, this is something that we've kind of touched base on uh, throughout the course of this campaign season, but now, once again, with what's going on with Mike Bloomberg, now Mayor Pete is back in the spotlight as far as, you know, him and his African-American issue. So Mayor Pete is actually trying to – address this issue, but once again, here's another situation of a white candidate, you know, being involved in some things that we as African Americans think that are unlawful and unjust, but the bottom line is, is that here he is running for president to be the president of all people, so what say you in regards to this whole thing and the black problem that Mayor Pete Buttigieg has? I think, well, I, I know it's real simply because of 
whom he is as a, as, as a candidate, uh, I just truly feel like when you, when you look at the African-American community, there's going to be some, uh, both black, African-American, uh, white, Caucasian, that's not going to support him simply because he is, he is gay. So, you know, that right there will detract. Then I, I look at the, the history uh, of mm-hmm. him and with the law enforcement community. And, you know, um, you, you look at the median income of South Bend, Indiana, it's far, far less than other um, cities within the state of Indiana. You know, where is the job prosperity? Where is the opportunity to improve the quality of life? Um, I think a couple of weeks ago, I, I read that uh, it's about 20, about 24, 25, 26% uh, African-American is, is um, within his his city. And, of course, the lack of support comes in those, those firings of the police chief. And I think last week, uh, you and Jerome and Les had mentioned the fire chief. And then you hear about these acts of police brutality, which could actually go on in any city and you know the last segment with with global Chalk, you said something jay that that i think just simply applies um certainly i would not see any of them being sincere with apologies now but i do think that there's a matter there's a means where you can atone for something and acknowledge the fact that okay you know what this happened but let me talk to you all so i can move forward uh, there's none perfect you know not on this air and and, and, and not in this world so to give a person a second chance, I, I think is always good as long as they sincere. But to come out now and, and, and do a bunch of apologizing and stuff for, for what you've done in the past, all you can do is really just try to atone for it. So, you know, once again, this is one of those real sensitive topics where I don't want to get too grimy um, with it. But, you know, all of them just have to do better in regard to their relationships with, with the uh, African-American community. I think they have taken us for granted for, you know, for the duration of, of, of our time and, and tenure here on this earth. And now there's some political capital, so I just pray that we get something out of it. I, I really and truly do, and which is a sense of, 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 of renewed pride and really a better quality of life because with a quality of life and income, you know, and, and better housing, better health care, then that's how you improve people's uh, day-to-day uh, being. Uh, sitting up here talking idle words means nothing to me, and I just want to see what you do versus what you say. Absolutely. I agree with that assessment wholeheartedly. Uh, you said something I thought was interesting when you talked about how people can go back and atone for, for their misgivings and everybody makes mistakes, and we all know that no one is perfect. I agree with that 110%. But you also talked about, you know, the police chief and, you know, and the fire chief and things of that nature. Now, you know, before he fired the police chief, he actually had demoted the police chief. And here's Mayor Pete's reasoning for doing this, and then we'll talk on the other side. Uh, the reason I demoted the chief was that I found out that he was the subject of a criminal investigation, not from him, but from the FBI, and it made it very hard for me to trust him as one of my own appointees. Uh, it was frustrating and painful, too, though, 
He was the first African-American chief in our city's history. And one of the reasons I had asked him to serve in the first place in my administration was a great track record in community policing, which is a huge priority for us because we're a racially diverse community. And speaking of things you learn along the way, and in particular, lessons I learned the hard way as a mayor, one of the things I realized was that while uh, I was absorbed in just making sure that we weren't tripping on any landmines related to laws about what you can and can't record, I was, frankly, a little bit slow to understand just how much anguish underlay the community's response to this. Because for people in the community, it wasn't just about uh, whether we were right or wrong to be concerned about the Federal Wiretap Act. It was about whether communities of color could trust that police departments had their best interest at heart. So, uh, Mr. Elias, are you behind his answer? No. <laughs> not at all. That was quick. <laughs> Moving on next, right? Why not? Moving on. Come on, man. Stop. Right. The, the, the uh, FBI was investigating. Was they investigating the, the, the uh, fire chief, too? Come on, bro. Just, just look, man. You fall on the sword. Hey, man. Look, Donald Trump's a racist. He gets away with it. <laughs> he gets away with it plain and clear. He's a straight-up racist. All the stuff that he's done with, with the Central Park Five, you know, these people were proven innocent. But on the shadow of a doubt, they were proven innocent. But he still say these people should be in jail and should die. Stick with it. Be who you are, man. Don't run from it. You know, if that's, if that's your cup of tea, don't run from it. Don't. Now, but, okay, but let's go back. So, so it, you know, when you go back and kind of look at that situation, you know, his answer that he gave, um, I guess if it was a white police chief, would you feel the same way? He said, look, he was – under some type of investigation of, uh, you know, there was a criminal act out there. And so he first he demoted him, then eventually he, he fired the guy. So, I mean, would we have the same visceral reaction if if, uh, if the guy was white? If if, if, if Pete Buttigieg said, look, this is the reason why I did it. What? If he's under criminal investigation, why would you demote him? Why would you just fire him? Well, you know, uh, wait a minute now, but what if he did? Okay, but hold on now. Think about what you just said. Let's say if he's under investigation, I mean, you can't fire somebody under investigation. I mean, you would you would have a fit, too. Oh, my God. They didn't even that, let it play it. out. They fired the guy before they even knew the results. Come on, man. Bro, that, come on, bro. Let's just be honest. Why would you demote him, man? Why would you demote him? I, well, listen, I, I can't. I'm not. I'm not Pete. I can't answer that question. For you. I mean, I hear what Why you're saying. You, you demoted him because he was under investigation, and then you fired him. Come on, if, if, you know, why didn't you wait until after the investigation to fire him? Why did you demote him first? Right, Jay. I don't, I don't know. Now, 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 Jay. Now, one one of the things that your earlier segment said, and and it, it, it really caught my ears because. I know these type of things okay. occur. Now, now this right. investigation that, that resulted in a demotion was the fact that the chief knew that he had officers under his, his supervision who was using racial epaulets, and he was recording them. Now, right. if this is a state similar to my own, then all it has to do is one person has to know that the recording is going on. Now, the mayor said that he no longer, that that the chief had eroded confidence in him, so he had to demote him. Then don't you think that he had an an obligation to police the the officers that's on the street and in the community if they're out there using racial epaulet towards him? Think about what they're doing to the citizens. 
So the reality mm-hmm. is but that it's caused. But wait a minute, Hawk. Before you, before you go any further, let, let's, okay. let's let's close. Let's put a let's put a, a bow tie or right, let's put a bow on what you just said. Now remember, you're right about the fact that they were he recorded or the police chief recorded these officers, but because of the fact of the way that information, quote unquote, was illegally obtained, according to Pete Buttigieg, he hasn't heard the tapes yet. He's not authorized to listen to the tapes mm-hmm. because they were obtained illegally. Yeah. Go ahead and finish your thoughts. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> but, but now, <laughs> I knew you were going to laugh. Now, <laughs> if, if, if the investigation now, – now, who says that they were obtained illegally? Again, different states have different laws. There, There is a, right. there is a one-party uh, phone call in this state, which means if, if I'm recording yeah. you, as long as I know that I'm recording you, then it's legal. So if right. the FBI got involved, you wonder if the FBI got involved because the chief had perhaps reported this to the FBI that his officers was out there using racial epaulets. And, and, of course, the mayor ultimately found out that the that a federal investigation was going on. So it's a lot of unknown. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, for him to say that, that, that you know, the trust of the individual, that the chief had been corroded and that he demoted him and then ultimately – you know, separating them. There, there wouldn't be so much talk and dialogue, and him trying to be apologetic about it, if if it wasn't something that was under the board on this right here. So, you know, all the facts would have to come out. And again, that was the first time I heard that piece earlier when they said that the chief was actually, re- you know, recording officers who was out there utilizing. Uh, Racial epilepsy again against him. I mean, to me, that that that's investigative work right there, which gets dirty, corrupt, racist officers off the street. So, what's more important? What's more important? And that's the thing that I would ask, you know, the, the mayor at this point in time. What's more important to get get racist officers off the street, or the chief may have done something illegal? Okay, illegal based off of state law but not federal law what's more important and that and that, and I think that's the question. Well, we don't know that oh, though right I mean we really I guess we can look it up but I, but he, but here's the thing man when we when we talk about this I mean look he fired the guy bottom line is if you really want to make a starch comparison let's just go back to the officer who killed that black guy and who did not whose body cam wasn't on right, I mean right. to me that's a bigger issue right. you know the if you're wearing a body cam you're supposed to have the camera on that you can say oh I forgot I don't know how it works I imagine you know having a body camera on um, you know there's I guess if you look at it from just being just a regular person, if you walked around with a body camera on, uh, you know, what happens, you know, I guess you have to have the ability to cut it off and on because you have to use the restroom and things of that nature. So, I mean, it's kind of a weird situation. Maybe the officer forgot to turn it back on and maybe that was his defense. I have no idea. But, you know, if you want to look at the severity between, well, Mr. Elias, I mean, think about it. I mean, there, I mean, come on, people forget stuff. I forget to do stuff all the time. Yeah, I forgot to turn it back on. Yep, and I actually I forgot to turn it back on as I shot somebody. You're right. I, well, I mean, <laughs> come on. Well, you know, listen here, Flavor Flav, Chuck D. I mean, I know how you feel about stuff like this, but I'm just saying, man. I mean, it's you know, let's be honest. It's human nature. People people forget to do things. I'm not. I'm, look, I'm not saying that this is the reason why it's not on. 
I have no idea why they didn't turn it back on. But I'm saying if you yeah. want to sit here and say, okay, the police chief is under investigation because he allegedly did something illegal, then the bottom line is, is that, okay, let's talk about the fact that this officer didn't have his body cam on. You, you know, come on. I think that's a little more serious than, than a police chief that's trying to find out whether people are, you know, using the N-word behind closed doors to try to get these racist bastards off the street. But according to the, according to Pete Buttigieg, the chief was under some type of, uh, he was under some stuff. So, I mean, you never know. But the bottom line is that, do you both think this is the reason why he is polling so low to the African-American community? Because the, this guy is not even, I guess he's at 4% now. And we've always said this, and I know one person responded to what I said last week. And, and you know, listen, if we were a bigger media outlet, I'm pretty sure I'd be under fire. When I said America's not going to put a gay man in the White House, right? And, you know, and, and here's something that's really crazy. We talked about Rush Limbaugh last week, right? And, and you know how I feel about Rush Limbaugh. And he said something this week on his radio show. Now, he put a little bit more flavor on it than, I, than, than we did. He talked about Pete Buttigieg just kissing his husband on stage. But he said the same thing that I said, which I can't believe that I'm actually with this dude, about the fact that, hey, they're not going to put a gay guy in the White House. And when you look at some of his with this track record with the police chief and the fire chief, you know, at the end of the day, you know, come on. He has a black problem, and that's why he's not polling with the African-American community. Give me your final thoughts on this one here, uh, Johnny. Well, you're, you're exactly right, Jay. I think it's more than just the fact that he that he is he is gay. Um, you know, you, you look at a a a, a relatively new uh, comer to the world of politics. Uh, he's just coming on the world stage or the national stage, and he's from a small town in in Indiana, which you know, four years from now. Uh, if he stays out there doing public work and, you know, get, get him a couple of libraries or built or what have you, then maybe he would become a viable candidate. I just think that it's the unknown as far as the African-American community. Now, that's coupled with, you know, this this this, this track record. Um, like I say, what I look at, I look at finance. I look at housing. Those are the things that really dictate because, you know, people are going to be who they are. You know, uh, America has proven itself uh, more and more and time and time again to be one of the most corrupt nations in, 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 in all the world. So with that being said, you know, people are more uh, hateful and, and towards one another, which I, I thought, you know, some <laughs> – Eight eight years ago, I thought really we, we were leaning in a totally different direction until you know this guy comes along and it's just it's just resonating hate and fear and all types of uh, hormongrel and all the rest of the things. But I just think that he is a, a relatively you really thought that Johnny Johnny John, hold on hold on yeah, you, did, you did, really did, thought how how did you think yes, that sir. you know I, I tell you what what I think what 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 I started to see. At some time yeah. was a, a a real coalition of people just simply wanting to get along. I and honestly, really? I'm not one of those. Wow. Oh, no, oh yeah, I'm I'm not one of them kumbaya type of individuals. But I saw I know. that there may come a day where 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 my children would not have to endure those 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 blatant forms of racism and discrimination. That that I saw, 
you know, when you look at the fact of you, you've got interracial couples and, and families now, you know, America simply has gotten much, much lighter, okay? So the, the reality is, is that when, when you merge people together, they have a tendency to, to get along. And I, I really and truly felt that, you know, maybe, I, would, I may not see it in my time, but I felt strong yeah. that my, my, my children's children would see a different day. You know what I'm saying? And I really felt that way until now because what's the face of hate? What you see, you don't see the the, um, the baby boomers and stuff uh, out there, you know, raging with, with, with fire and fury. You see these young, young white guys. I mean, that's the face of terrorism now. So, you know, that, that, that's your reality, man. And, and I think that this guy has just simply allowed people to come out and probably do what they already had hidden. But there was a time where I really felt optimistic that, you know, hey, maybe, maybe there'll come a day where the, the words of Dr. King would, 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 would resonate in all or the majority of the people in America. I no longer feel compelled to think that that's going to happen uh, in, 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 in my generation, for sure. But certainly, certainly, uh, you know, me being a faithful person of God, then, you know, there, there, there will be a day where, where someone somewhere will be able to say that I can look at you as, as a brother regardless of, of race, religion, gender, or, or what have you. And I, I pray that that day comes, but... You know, I think that we have regressed as as a country, and just that 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 sinful, retrobate mindset has been deposited in more people now than it would have in 2008 and in 2012. I do feel that way. Well, that's interesting. You feel that way because the one thing we apparently you weren't listening to the serious side back then because Mr. Elias, one of the things we talked about, and I said this a thousand times. I said, you know, the the, the election of of Barack Obama is going to show us one of two things: either America's come a long way from its hateful past, or the bottom line is is that what this has really done was initiate and really and truly revealed the ugly underbelly of this country. And I said. At the time, I said, I would give you my answer after his first term. And after that first term, I said, let me tell you, I think what this has done is it has shown us that deep, 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 deep down inside, all these things that we thought were gone, they were really just hibernating. Because I had my kids coming home from school for the first time. You know, we live out in the suburbs. For the first time, asking about, you know, black and white and all this other nonsense. And then there's a report out just now talking about how kids are more inclined to say crazy things like, hey, welcome to the Trump country and get out, our, get out of our country and all this other nonsense. So I thought that it did the complete opposite. Because I'm thinking, oh, we got a black president, things going to be different. Well, not so much. Mr. Elias, well, what about you? Real quick. Hmm. Well, what's your, what, what about me what? What, what is the question? Well, this whole thing, let's wrap it up with this whole thing with Buddha just made. You think this is the reason why the poll is so low in African-American communities, and do you think this is really going to be an issue anyway because the guy is not going to get he's not going to get the nomination because, you know, like I said, I think at least, you know, nobody's going to put I, a gay guy in the White House. I, I can only speak for the state of Indiana, and, and the state of Indiana, he won't win. Even though he's from here, he won't win it. And he won't win it for the simple fact that he's, you know, He's, he's, he's racist. He might win downstate. He might get their votes, but uh, Northwest Indiana, 
And the rest of the state, South Bend, he went even went South Bend. Is it he fair to call him a racist, Mister Elias? Is it a fair to call him a racist? Is it is that a fair I statement? Like I said, that. Yes, it is. Wow, man, yeah, that, yes, that's harsh, is. man. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't I don't run from that word. I call the same thing. I call. But Mister Elias, to label someone a racist, I mean. Okay, he fired yeah. two administrators. Let me ask you a question then. Are the, are, are the Chicago Cubs, well, I shouldn't use them, but are, a sports team, when they fire a black coach, that, does that make them racist because yeah. they fired yeah. a black coach? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Notre right. Dame, okay. I would never support. You know what? Here, here it is, Jay. Notre Dame, <laughs> I would never support Notre Dame ever again. You know why? They wow. fired Ty Willingham. And they brought in Pete, okay. they brought in Weiss, Charlie Weiss. And Charlie Weiss won a national championship with whose team? With whose team? Well, but, <laughs> okay. With whose team? So why? Okay. With whose I, team? I, I, listen, I, I'm not gonna argue with you. I, mean, I guess this is and a topic Charlie, we can have for Charlie another White day. Had, I just don't. I, I don't get Charlie it. Charlie Weiss had horrible seasons, Jay. He had horrible seasons. I, I, and okay. And and, and 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 they did not fire him. No, they didn't fire okay. him. They kept him on. Nah, that's right. It's okay. Call it like you said, Jay. You can't run from it. Well, it ain't, it ain't running. I mean, listen, there are legitimate situations where you can call people racist. But I think, okay, let me just, Johnny, real, real quick before we get out of here. Do you think, I'll ask you the same question. If an NFL team finds a black coach, do you think their organization is racist? No, I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I really don't. Look at the, uh, look at the, yeah. Look at the band. They fired a winning coach. They fired a winning coach. He had a ten and six season, and they fired him. They fired him. What reason? Give me the reason they fired him. And two years before that, he took him to the Super Bowl. He took him to the Super Bowl two years before that. Who you talking about? You talking about Tony Dungy? Lovey Smith. Nah, Lovey Smith. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, now. Now, 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 clearly, there are some instances where that, that oh, is on, the man. case. I mean, you know, but I, just, just to say that, okay, uh, if, if, if you're not make, meeting the benchmark, then I think that, that, that you do have to go. Now, I will say that, you know, I think that they're more tolerable, meaning, you know, the, these major sports, they're more tolerable to a, a, a Caucasian losing versus an African-American. Mm-hmm. Now, that right there... It, it's proven, but you know, every time one of them get, get you know gets fired, you know, African American coach gets fired. I don't think that is necessarily racist. I think uh, the majority of the time it is. You, you can lend it back to performance, but I, I do see the recycling of, of, of white coaches, uh, unlike mm-hmm. in, in black coaches. Black coaches will get coordinator positions. White coaches get head coaching positions, and they can be the worst. And they'll recycle them uh, throughout the, you know, throughout the NFL, the NBA, and you know, and and all the rest of them. You know, I, I look at them Van Gundy brothers. I mean, these guys keep losing, and they they've been coaching uh, the one mm-hmm. coaching for thirty years. You know, so okay. really. Come on, man, let's call it. Call it. All right, let me tell you. Call it. <laughs> hey, listen, this this call is a powerhouse sports talk radio. I just <laughs> okay. Right, let me step in. All right, so I got it. I mean. All right. I just use that as an example. Okay, all right. Listen, it's time for a new uh, segment of the show, and it's called After the Break, where I'm going to ask our panelists a question, and I want them to give me their response after the break. So here's something they need to think about over the break, and we'll get the response on the other side. Miguel Page had a sit-down interview with Leslie, uh, Lisa Leslie, and she talked about Kobe Bryant's 
a legacy. You know, she brought up said while we talk about should we look at the rape case back in the day that Kobe was accused of, and uh, that set off a range of emotions. And the biggest was Snoop Dogg coming after her, saying some things people thought that were very threatening. So my question to our folks after the break was: Kill King right to bring that up about Kobe Bryant? It should situation that happened in Kobe must be a part of his legacy. We are in remembrance of the great Kobe Bryant. All right, we're going to step out take a break. We'll be right back with their answers, and plus we'll take a look at our third candidate, the black problem that the Democratic Party is experiencing. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Riles Show, 347-850-1272. We'll be right back after this. Why would they believe 
welcome back to the serious side. If you are just joining us, here's what you have missed so far. Senator presidential candidate Amy Klobuchar is facing new scrutiny over an old case. 11-year-old Taisha Edwards was murdered when Klobuchar was Hennepin County attorney back in 2002. She frequently talks about the case while campaigning for president and in debates. There was a kid named Byron Phillips that was shot on his front porch. No one had bothered to figure out who did it. When I came into that office, we worked with the community groups, we put up billboards, we found the shooter, and we put him in jail. We did the same for the killer of a little girl named Taisha Edwards who was doing her homework at her kitchen table and was shot through the window. As May Murphy explains how new information is raising questions about that case. A white South Bend police officer shot and killed a black man. The incident has sparked outrage in the community and a call for Mayor Pete Buttigieg to take action. The 2020 Democratic presidential hopeful was in his home city for a town hall Sunday. Many people in attendance expressed their frustrations with the police department. Uh, but first, uh, I, I need to give it some background. Um, back in 2012, it was discovered that the police chief of South Bend, who was African-American, had been taping phone conversations of senior police officers who were allegedly using racist language, and particularly racist language uh, about him. You demoted the police chief. No action was taken against the officers in question. Welcome back in. 347-850-1272 is the caller number. 347-850-1272. It's the serious side. It's a beautiful Sunday. A little nippy where we are, and I know it's freezing in uh, Chicago. We'll get a weather report from Johnny D here in a second. But speaking of the educated brother himself, it's time to say good morning to everyone. Johnny D in a place to be, man. Good morning to you. So how you doing? Good morning. Good morning, Black. Uh, and here, Jay, I'm going to get a weather forecast as a meteorologist. I would say it's probably about 50 degrees, so it is seasonal. <laughs> I love that. It is seasonal. All right, thank you, uh, meteorologist Johnny D, for that report. You can check him out on the K- KO9 Action Team weather team. I'm just joking. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate you. All right, the man gets the first and last word here on the serious side. The one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I am doing well, sir. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm a little chilly, but uh, it's probably about 50-plus degrees here, but I know it is freezing up there where you are. Yeah, it's, uh, like it's just 15, crazy. 14, 14 degrees. And uh, Mariana Music, that was uh, forever the closest between music soul child, in case you're listening. Absolutely. We always love she actually is tuning in this morning. Uh, so now, let's say good morning to some peeps, Mr. Elias, if you like. Uh, we can, we, we don't have to, whatever you want to do. We got the two, we, we, we got the two racers in the uh, chat room. Oh, stop. Easy right. and Boba Brown. What, like what's going on, guys? Read the stuff that they're posting there. They're racist. Especially uh, Boba Brown. Okay. Easy tries to think he's not, but he is. He's as racist as they come. Right, what's up? Good morning, fellas. How y'all doing? What's up to the pastor? The pastor's in the house. Like I mentioned, Mariana Music has checked in. I'm not sure she's still listening, but she checked in earlier. Ah, who is this? Rivera. Am I saying Rivero? R, how you doing this morning, R? <laughs> how you doing? And Claudia from, look, it says from Puerto Rico. Hey, come on, say whatever. Hey. 
Come on, say hello. Uh, how do you say hello in, 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 in Spanish? Is it hola? Hola. How y'all guys doing down there? Hola. Fred, yeah. Fred's checking in. What's up, Fred? How you doing? Denise? Denise, what you talking? What's going on? Hey, what's happening? And uh, Freddie from Lincoln, Nebraska. I don't think I've ever mentioned that on the show, right? Anybody from Lincoln, Nebraska listening in? What's going on? What's up to Cleveland, Ohio? What's happening to Gus? What's up, y'all? Everybody's listening to us. We appreciate you. And continue to listen to the serious side right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. 347-850-1272 is that call-in number. You can start putting your comments as I'm collecting your comments now for Chatterbox. You can always call in and talk to us. We'll hear from you every now and then. Maybe you're at some place where you can't talk. I remember we had a young person listening to us. Uh, This person was stationed on a ship overseas, military, serving, appreciated. I'm not heard from them in a while, but boy, I tell you what, they used to listen all the time. Appreciate you. Appreciate all the men and women who put their lives on the line in order to protect the freedom of this great nation of ours. Even though we do have a craze craze for the president, but don't worry about it. He won't last. Worst case scenario, he's in there for another five years. And, you know, like the sands of time, he gets the hell up out of here. And these are the days of our lives. And I tell you what, I for one can't wait until he's up out of there because it's not. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So we appreciate you listening. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. All right, it is time. After the break, before the break, I asked my colleagues about the Gail King interview with Leslie with Lisa Leslie. She brought up the fact that if we're going to remember Cody's uh, legacy, then we need to also include that rape case that happened back in the day. Now, just to make sure we close the loop on that. Uh, no charges were filed because the victim did not want to testify. And she settled with Kobe out, uh, settled out of court with Kobe Bryant. So now, Yo King has been under death threats, and the biggest one—not a really a death threat, but one of the biggest threats—came from our man, man, Snoop, Snoop, Snoop Dogg, the same guy that was on trial for murder a few years back. But you know what? I digress. So he said, "Hey, you better watch out because we're coming after you." So the question is. For today's after the break is, did Gail King do the right thing, or should she have not asked Lisa Leslie that question? Let me start with you, Johnny D, real quick, man. What do you think, bro? No, I mean, the relevance between Lisa Leslie and and, and Kobe Bryant, uh, I, I did, for one, I didn't hear the interview, okay? I've just heard the, the backlash and the residuals of it, but why would yeah. she ask Lisa Leslie uh, any question about Kobe Bryant in a, in a rape case? I just think that that's that's journalism trying to you know sell coverage and 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 exploit a situation and and I, I think it has some negative residuals not only on her as a journalist but then also uh, some of the ones who have made some harsh comments. I'm not in favor of the comments and the threat that they made towards her, but I thought that she was way out of pocket uh, if she asked Lisa Leslie about, you know, Kobe Bryant's legacy, trying to, I mean, you know, only diminish it uh, in regards to that, that, that rape allegation, just totally uh, inappropriate, but also the responses to her were inappropriate as well. Huh, interesting. What do you, what do you say, uh, Mr. Elias, you think she was wrong for bringing that up? I, I definitely did, man. You know, I, I you know, why, why, like, I'm like Lisa Leslie. Why didn't you ask Kobe while he was alive? If, you, if that was such a big concern of yours, why didn't you ask him while he was alive? 
That's what she should have done if she was so concerned about it. But, yeah, I, I thought she was well out of pocket. I don't know. Okay, so here's my take. I don't know if it's a situation where, you know, why would she ask Kobe about his legacy while he was still here? I mean, people are remembering Kobe, and they're talking about all the great things that Kobe did. Let me ask you guys a question. What do you think about George Washington? You think George Washington was a great president, Mr. Elias? I don't know. I, 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 that's like I'm, I'm arguing with, with these cats online. I, I wasn't there. Are you going to history to see what he's done? What he's done? So I can't okay, answer that but, question. Okay, but 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 he's been credited as being the founding father of this nation. He was the first president. Everybody talked about how he could have just maintained power, but he gave the power up because he wanted to see a democracy. Blah blah blah. He's the greatest thing since you know cherry pie. But George Washington owned slaves. So if you want to talk about his greatness, then you need to make sure you put that a part of the equation as well. He owned slaves. Now, he let those slaves go once he died, but he owned slaves. So should America continue to up, you know, prop this guy up as being a great president when he owned slaves? Shouldn't that be a part of his well, legacy? That's what America, that's what America does. Hey, look, at the, look at the national anthem. <laughs> Okay, but wait a minute. No, 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 no. Don't slip out of this. No, 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 no. Don't, don't slip out of this. And I'm taking a little bit more liberty than I would normally do because Jerome's not here, so we're going to have to eat up some of that time for, for his segment. So, we're, you know, we, we got a little time with this one. All right, so listen. Don't try to slip out of this, though. The bottom line is, is that you said that's what Americans do. Okay, but if that's, that's what Americans do, Americans do, then why shouldn't this whole situation with Kobe be a part? If you're going to have a legacy, legacy discussion about Kobe Bryant, isn't that a part of his legacy as well, or no? No, it's not a part of his legacy. You know? Oh, okay. Oh. All right. Okay. All right. All right. What about you, Johnny? I mean, I hear, I hear you. I hear you. I hear the brain turning here a little bit. So, what do you think, man? We we talk about George Washington. We want people to praise George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and all these people. They own slaves. So shouldn't that, if we're going to sit here and boost these guys and talk about they're the greatest things since, you know, sliced bread, shouldn't we take that in consideration as, as well? Well, well my, my, my brother Jay, I think the thing that we have to look at, and this is not excused at any time that, that you have an indentured service and, and, and slavery and the abuse and the atrocities that have occurred to to, to African-American people uh, since, since the beginning and the origins of this country. It was the the established culture during that particular time. Now, George Washington, being a former general, he had no pattern as to a blueprint for being a president. So, in in essence, I don't say that he was great because I I didn't live under his 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 leadership or his his tyranny or during that time. But you 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 do see the effects of of what his presidency and his leadership resulted in, and that is that America is still the land of the free and the home of the brave. So obviously he was effective from that standpoint. As far as a humanitarian, uh, what I have read about uh, him as as the first president, uh, I don't think that he was a social butterfly. Don't think that he was widely accepted for his oratory skills. He was, again, he was a soldier. And because of what he did, because of what he did, then there's some liberties that we share with the, the other colonial Americans uh, in this country. So, in essence, I, I would say that he had, that he must have been successful. 
in spite of the fact that that he had slaves. Uh, obviously, he was successful in what he did. Now, as as far as uh, uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, mm-hmm. I, I will say this here: um, as as a person and as a player, I was not receptive yeah. to to Kobe Bryant's uh, style of 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 conduct. Uh, I think that. You know, he epitomizes today's athlete where they it's, it's more about about them. So I think he ushered in that wave of of, of selfish ball players. So I'm just you know and, and you know condemn me if, if you must, but I'm just being quite honest with you in my assessment. But Michael what Jeffrey I found Jordan. to be well, you, and, and exactly. And the thing is, is is with with Kobe Bryant, I found that his greatest accomplishments came after his playing days. I really and truly do. I think that's when people could more embrace him. His teammates uh, could more embrace him. Uh, Similar to to, to my assessment on on Michael Jordan, you know, uh, being from from the home state, uh, I didn't particularly care for Jordan through his, his Chicago Bulls years. It wasn't until he went to the Washington Wizards where he was a, a, a older guy, the skills had diminished, and you saw the purity in which he played the game because he didn't play the game above the rim. You know, so I, I got a tendency to, to always root for the underdog as long as the underdog is, is ethically and morally right. Uh, but but with, 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 with Kobe Bryant, I think that his legacy speaks for itself as an athlete. I don't think that it was quite tapped into as a humanitarian. And for uh, Miss King to, to try to diminish it, um, with, with those questions and comments about the sexual assault, you know, you got to think that was some 16 years ago, and Gail King has been doing radio and television for a long period of time. So I go back to to somewhat what 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 Les was 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 making as a parallel. There was plenty of opportunities that she could have had him on the show to ask himself. She didn't have to wait until you know he met his death, along with his daughter, knowing that what his family and stuff was going through. He, Gail King. Gail King could have wrote her ticket to any interview she chose to do so after the R. Kelly interview, and probably before then. So the reality of it is that she could have had him on the show long before and asked him herself. And then you know you ask, uh, you know you you ask Lisa Leslie, who wasn't even a teammate of Kobe Bryant, is not his wife. Uh, so I don't even know what the association is. The L. A. Connection. Turn, so they both played I, in L. A. I think that's what the connection was. Yeah, but uh, they both played in L. A. You, you know, that's if, if, if that's the case, then if that's the case, then she she should have asked Phil Jackson. She could have asked Ron Artest. She could have asked James Worthy. No, she could have asked I, Maggie I get Johnson. It, but, but, you know, yeah. But, but here, let me let me tell you why I slightly disagree with you guys. Hey, listen, the bottom line is is that we say that she could have asked Kobe. <laughs> Once again, the discussion, I mean, you know, news is news. I mean, we're not going to go back and interview somebody today about something they did, you know, 10 years ago if it's not relevant. But it's relevant because you're talking about his legacy. So if you're going to talk about how great a guy he is, and you know, you saw some situations where there were some teachers who got fired because they say, you know, finally a rapist got his due, which I think were inappropriate remarks. But I went back and read everything pertaining to that case. And let me tell you, I walked away from that situation saying Kobe Bryant did get that. I think he raped that girl. I'm just going to be honest. I read his comments. I do. And I read his statements to the police. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I read his about, statements to the police. 
I went back and looked at everything in detail. When I went back and looked at that thing, I, I would walk away saying, I think he did it. I, I really and truly do. And so if we're going to talk and about his legacy. I would agree with you. that they found the three semen that they found in her in her underwear. Jay. Okay, but but Mister, that's okay. That's fine. I'm just telling you by me looking at all of the evidence. That's how I walked away. Now I'm not saying whether I was right, okay. wrong, and different. I'm telling you what Jay Rob thinks. But what I'm saying to you is, wow. is that if we're gonna have a legacy, you know, people talk. You know, I hear people every now and then talk about how Dr. King had women all over the road. Uh, you know, you talking about Dr. King, you know, he was out there doing his thing. You know, and, and I go, hey, 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 you can't be talking about Dr. King. Or it's what, like, what you know, we talk about Clinton, you know, well, you know, the, the Clinton presidency, where, he, you know, he did some good things, so we'll kind of turn the other cheek. My whole thing with this is, maybe, I don't know. I'm just going to say I don't know. I wouldn't have done it, but if we're going to have a, a serious discussion about legacies, I, I think that you have to say, okay. Hey, look, you know, if you want to talk about his legacy, that's a part of his legacy, too. So how should we quantify that? Jay, she... Huh. Yeah, uh, Jay, to, to me... Yeah, go, go, ahead, go ahead, Johnny. No, go ahead, Johnny. No, what I was going to say is that, you know, Kobe Bryant has retired from the NBA. If When we look at Kobe Bryant, we associate Kobe Bryant as a top-notch NBA athlete. When he retired... If that that question could have been posed then, interview him at that point in time and say, look, do you think that 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 rape charge is going to have an impact on your legacy now that you don't retire? I mean, so the window Mm -hmm. of opportunity was there, so I want to excuse her from from that. Okay. Okay. You make make a good point. What about every time about the of Jordan and we talk about the fact that he's a Republican by Jim Shoes, I'm not going to stick out against anything. That's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. What about that? What, why does Jordan have a spoke up about Fred Hyde? Listen, man. It, listen. I'll say this, and then we have to move on. Let me just say this. I'll say this, and then we'll move on. I think we're all going to have to disagree. We have to agree to disagree. I'm just going to say, me personally, I would not have asked that question. There's no doubt about it. But in my opinion, this is just my humble opinion, that for her to sit here and say, for her, if, she, if you're having a legacy to school, hey, we're going to remember this guy for all the great things that he did. Are we going to turn a blind eye to that moment in history? That's like when Bill Cosby finally become worm's food. Hey, well, Bill Cosby did all these wonderful things. Are we going to go back and say, well, wait a minute. We're going to forget the fact that, you know, he drugged these women and, and, and slept with all these women. But we remember him as Cliff Huffstable and all this other stuff. It's a part of your, it's a part of your body of work while you're here on earth. If you want to consider legacies, it needs to be a part of it. When you take a test, you don't get you don't get the credit for all the right answers. You know you have some wrong answers, and so you use the wrong answers and the right answers, then you get a score. So at the end of his life, yeah, he had that blemish, but all the wonderful things that he done, you know, in my opinion, then you know that should. Oh, well, I'm not going to say it should because nobody should be raped. But the bottom line is that I think everybody understands what we're trying to say. All right, so that's this week's edition of After the Break. Stay tuned. Next week we'll have another one. All right, so let's get into this. Like I said, we took a little bit more liberty. Normally, folks, it won't take this long. But because of the fact that Jerome's not here, we're going to have to eat up his time. Perfect opportunity to have an extended discussion. So you'll hear that every week after the break. Ask questions, get answers, and we'll go from there. All right. Final set, we're talking about 
the black problem that the Democratic Party is experiencing. And here is our last subject of the day. This morning, the former New York City mayor apologizing once again for his controversial stop-and-frisk policy after leaked audio of him defending the policing practice in 2015 went viral. With those cops, where the crime is in minority neighborhoods. In the recording, Bloomberg defends the tactic that disproportionately targeted blacks and Latinos in New York and that was later ruled unconstitutional. The way you get the guns out of the kids' hands is uh, thrown against the wall and frisked Bloomberg, who first addressed the issue days before announcing his campaign. I was wrong. And I'm sorry. Reiterating his regret Tuesday, writing, I have taken responsibility for taking too long to understand the impact it had on black and Latino communities. The audio posted online by a podcaster who supports Bernie Sanders and has been seeking information about Bloomberg on social media. President Trump retweeting the recording, writing, wow, Bloomberg is a total racist before quickly deleting it. I put something out and it was so, it was pretty nasty. And I thought, you know, I'm looking to bring the country together, not divide the country further. But the president, who's been sharply criticized for comments widely viewed as racist, has repeatedly praised stop and frisk. I support anything we can do to get down crime and to get rid of drugs. The controversy comes as Bloomberg's campaign is gaining ground, notching some of the first votes out of New Hampshire and rising in the polls causing concern among the Democratic contenders. Bloomberg was already in a nasty war of words with the president. Little Michael will fail. You know, now he wants a box for the debates to stand on. His campaign not afraid to respond in kind, last week blasting the president as a pathological liar who lies about everything, his fake hair, his obesity, and his spray-on tan. Let me apologize for my unprofessional outbursts. When the president says he's trying to to bring the country together, I had the damn laugh. Oh, my God, that was the Mm -hmm. most ridiculous thing I heard in my life. All right, so listen, Mike Bloomberg, he has a black problem, and I think his problem is a legitimate black problem. Let me tell you why I think it is. I'm going to open it up to you guys. The reason why I say it's legitimate is because Unlike the other two candidates, he has really started to get traction in the African-American community. The, the latest reports before this scandal broke had him right behind Joe Biden, like six points within the margin of error, far as getting black support in South Carolina. Afterwards, that junk dropped down to 5%. So now, let's, let me go to you guys. Let's talk about this. Let me start with you, Mr. Elias, on this segment, man. The black vote, the black problem for Michael Bloomberg, is is it legitimate or is this another situation where we have a candidate that's running for office and he's going to apologize, you know, three days before he decided he's going to launch? What say you, man? Boy, yes, to me, with him, it's it's a big problem. Hell, (laughs) you know, you target people, you target African-American and Latino folks to, you know, stop and frisk, even though you don't have... A right to it's unconstitutional. You don't have a right to stop and frisk, and then you and, and you double down on it. Yeah, you yeah you got you got definitely got a problem, man. Yeah, you know I I help. I don't. That's one cat I don't want to vote for, man. I'd have to hold my nose and vote for him. But yeah, that one you can tell what he was. And 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 and, and it's funny to me that white people don't know that they're racist. That's that's the, that's the funniest part in the world to me. I work with a lady who, whose parents told her if she don't, if she comes home with a black guy, they just own her. And 
She said, well, my pants aren't racist. What do, what do you consider that? That This is what I mean. You know, you got Easy and Boba Bright. They don't believe, well, Easy, Boba Bright knows he's a racist. Easy don't believe he's a racist, but he is. That's what it is. You probably like to see it. But wait a minute, but okay, so I agree with you on that. I agree with you the fact that I think he has a big problem. What about you, Johnny? What do you think, man, about this whole thing with, with Bloomberg? I mean, the fact that he has some big he has some big time folks in the Black Caucus coming out and sponsoring this guy and being a part of his campaign. There are some wonderful things he's done for the African American community as well. But the fact that you catch these guys behind closed doors saying some of the things, catching their comments in the rawest form, what do you think, man? What about Mike Bloomberg's black problem? Well, I, I tell you what. What I want everyone to do at this point in time is get closer to 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 your listening devices because I'm I'm going to say something that is factual and true. When you think about the days of Ed Koch. David Dinkins, Rudy Giuliani, and then Michael Bloomberg. There was a, 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 a theory in the law enforcement community in regards to the broken glass theory, which means, okay, if you knock out a window, you fix it. You knock out a window, you fix it. Now, of course, what we have to endure every single day in the African-American community is profiling and stereotypes. Mm-hmm. There's nothing right about that. But statistically, if you go back and you look at the era of even David Dinkins, okay, which was New York's first and only black man, the persons who was committing the crimes were your African-American and Hispanic youth. So if you say that you're going to rid the, 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 the city of crime, then there is a certain focus that you're going to put on that predicate. Now, to what extent? Don't know. As I said, I, I've, got, I've got a cousin who retired from the New York Police Department, and, and I remember having conversations with him. Some things he would share, some things he wouldn't. But he talked about the fact that he was, he, he was as concerned about the New York Police Department um, than, than some of the people in, in the community because of the corruption, uh, the racism, and things of that nature right there. So it was, was it as much of the policy or the enforcement, okay? Now, having, having worked in the law enforcement community for 26 years, there is certain things that I target every day that I go to work. But the enforcement of it is, is where you have the concerns where people simply take things to a whole different level so I don't necessarily say as, as far as the the policy okay I don't think that it's, it's the policy is wrong you know Pat and Fritz it's the enforcement of it trying to keep the citizens safe I think is, 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 is admirable but when you got those individual officers that's out there in the community that's doing community policing and, and mm-hmm. they're out there jacking up guys for no reason and you know probing yeah. them and and and, and 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 prompting them. I mean, I, I've seen law enforcement guys, and, and this is no joke. I like to say shame on them. You know, we sit there, and, and 80%, 80%, statistically, the crimes that's that's committed are 
you're able to convict because the community involvement. Eighty percent of those incidents come because you've got some citizen in the community that 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 assists law enforcement. But I've seen law enforcement officers and have read about law enforcement officers putting guys out there. You know, some rogue officer out there on the street telling us, "Yeah, when you gonna come see me again?" or something like that, exposing the individuals who helping them out. So, you know, again, the, the broader brush is Ed Koch, David Dinkins, Rudy Giuliani done all of that before Bloomberg. He inherited the, the policy, but in fact, in fact, did it work? Did it work? Is New York a safer city now than it was in the past? That's the question that I think that you have to ask. Now, the methodology of the individual officers, yeah, I don't, I don't approve of that right there. But as far as the policy wanting to keep people safe, I'm not, I'm not uh, opposed to that. I really and truly am not. But does he have an issue? The issue becomes with the media. The issue becomes with, with those individuals who sitting back there thinking that, okay, everything that's done as far as the criminal justice system is against black people. Well, the reality of it is that if we're not out there committing crime and selling drugs and holding our elders hostage in the communities in which they have built up since the 1950s, and we got them held hostage because we want to sit out there and sell drugs, then, you know, and then we get mad at, 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 at police because they don't come through the neighborhood. So we can't have it both ways. So I'm, I'm, I'm a realist when it comes to that. Okay, I'm a realist when it comes to that. So the truth of the matter is, is that the media will make it more of an issue than, than the actual result. If you look at the results, cause and effect, if you look at the result, is New York a safer city? Here's my question. Here, here's my pushback to you on this, because a lot of that what you said I agree with. But, but here's the thing that, that, that's troublesome for me. What's troublesome for me is how, when you go back and look at the statistical data, that, and Mr. Elias, correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think 80% of the, 86% of the people that they pulled over, uh, you know, they uh, they were uh, found innocent. They didn't. They weren't arrested. It didn't lead to any yeah. arrests. That black folks were Correct. black folks was targeted more. And the insensitive, the insensitive, the, the, his insensitive remarks just grabbed him and throw him against the wall and yeah. pushed him. I mean, I mean, yeah. what, what the hell is that all about? That, I mean, so, so the bottom yeah. line is that, you know, and this is a discussion that happened on this show a long, long time ago. And, I, and I'll tell you the, the scenario. And, and, you know, me and Mr. Elias kind of, we, we kind of went back and forth on this. And, and I think no matter who you talk to and, and what conversation you have, some folks may accuse you of having black-on-black black crime. But this is a conversation that we had uh, a while back. And we t- I told a story about how me and Mr. Elias, me, Mr. Elias, and my daughter, we had gone to a car wash. And so we were sitting outside waiting for the car. So we pulled the car in. So they're standing outside. We're about to wash the car. So all of a sudden, some jokers pulled up in a drop top and powder. Looked just like they came from. Looked like they was NWO man. These jokers, I mean NWA. They looked just like they was like you know Negroes with attitude. They you know they got their music blast and they got all their little gang stuff. I'm not saying they were gangsters, but that's how they look. And I noticed that Mr. Les. Grab my daughter and say, hey, hey, you come over here by me. Now, he didn't say that before, but when they rolled up, he said, you need to come over here by me. And the conversation and had, turned into, huh? So what? And had a hillbilly pulled up with a Confederate flag on his truck, I would have done the same thing. Okay, but that's fine. Okay, okay that's fine. That's, that's fine. My point to the matter is this, is that, and this is the conversation we had then, and it sounds like we're going to have it again. Here's the deal. You racially profiled those cats because they look a certain way. 
And so, and my, and my, and what I said at the time, Johnny D, was, we all do it. I mean, I talked about how I was on a plane going to Dubai, and then all of a sudden, you know, I get on this one plane, and everybody on the plane had on uh, those little turf things on their heads. I'm like, oh, and so that's that's the first thing that came across my mind. Was I wrong? Probably. I wasn't being racially correct, or I wasn't being politically correct, but I was being real about the situation. So I think for me, man. The fact that you hear Bloomberg saying, you know, let's throw up against the wall and frisk them, and didn't realize what type of long-term mental impact that would have on folks, you know, I think that's where the problem is. And you can tell you his poll numbers are starting to drop oranges, because black folks are starting to hear this. Huh? Jay, you're wrong. You're comparing, app- you're comparing apples to oranges, that? Jay. Bottom that- line. That's Jerome. Jerome. Oh, are. hey, what's going on, Dre? I didn't know you were here. I was, I, I was wrong for what? What part of my statement did I just said I was wrong? All of that. All of it. And, okay, well, and, all right, well so, so you're, I, so I wait, so you're saying, Jerome, you're saying that I was wrong. You guys are conservatives when it comes to black folks about this. Look at the big picture as leaders, right? So here's, okay. here's the problem. Black people don't racially profile black people. And you know why? Because we don't look at them as being black. We can profile them on their behavior and attitude because we are black. So we know the difference between somebody who's about to jack somebody and somebody who's going to get an ice cream. Black people know the difference. So that's not racially profiling. You're not white. You can't tell LES just because he saw them and they looked a certain kind of way, he protected, he protected your daughter. He saw who they were. Right, you can tell that in movement. How's that any different? I'm just, I'm just out of curiosity. How's that different? I mean, if, if you're looking at somebody, you said, okay. Now, if it had been a a, a car full of oh, African American guys with suits and ties, he wouldn't have done that. Sure, he would have. Sure, he would. Sure I, he know, would I have. know a thug in a suit and tie when I see one. You crazy? <laughs> he wouldn't have done that. Exactly. We've been in, we've yeah, been in clubs. Because people pull up here to do nothing. Did Nino Brown wear a suit and tie, Jay? Did Nino exactly. Brown wear a suit and tie? Oh, stop it. You get out of here with this nonsense. People oh, pulled no, up no, next no, to us, baby. and you didn't do nothing until them jokers pulled up right there. Stop it. Stop it. Don't, don't, don't be trying to give them a... What, Jay? Because he was. Something. When you grew up in areas where you know them cats, you know, you know who... You can actually look and get a feel from people's movements. On what's about to go down. If you grew up in the black community, you can see that stuff coming a mile away. You're like, all right. But guess what? They didn't do anything. They just washed the car, just did they think, you know, hey, they didn't bother nobody. They looked a certain way, but how do we know that was. You you saw hey, them, they were dressed hey, a certain way, but how do you know they just didn't want to get out like that? Come on, man. See, see this, is, this, is where, this is where black folks get a little confused, but I, I won't go too deep in this because, because of the time. But I do want to say this about Bloomberg. I think people are dumb as hell following this dude because the same thing that Trump is doing did to buy the Republican Party, black people fall for people who have money. And like Mm -hmm. Jesse Jackson has said this, that um, white folks can buy their way out of any kind of criminal activity or wrongdoing. So black people have a tendency of forgiving black white folks for wrongdoing if they have money. That's what wealth buys you. So, you know, as people criticize Biden for running pro, um, running commercials with Obama, we're looking at you, not you and Obama. Then the same people are patting this fool on the back for running commercials with Obama, knowing <laughs> that that dude has an attitude towards black folks. And anytime you find out how their attitude is towards black people, it usually comes 
in the form of behind closed door conversations. His disdain for black mm-hmm. people is very obvious. Mid-line. So no matter how he explains yep. it around his black friends, it has nothing to do with what he's saying about them behind their back. And we have to stop forgiving people for being that way because we'll always be enslaved by those people playing one side or the other of black folks. Bloomberg has no compassion for black people because if he did, he would understand that 50 million people who they documented that went through stop and frisk wouldn't be overwhelmingly black. And if you can say it is black people who committing all of those crimes, I will tell you this. White folks are opposed to people doing crystal meth. And that's the number one drug. Yes. You don't see them busting down their yes. door and putting them on cops for crystal meth. But you want to blame us for like a daggone crack epidemic and saying the the... the the um, the violence and stuff is in the black community. No, it's not. You, you know, they don't claim white people in trailer parks, but hell, most of this country in rural areas are all pretty much all white. You know, when you talk about, um, you know, Montana and all these other places, why do they have police forces? Because it's only black people committing crimes. Why do you need them around white people? Right? We oversimplify just to put suspicion on ourselves, and we somehow believe that when we don't do that, we're being biased against white folks and we don't like white folks. The numbers aren't there for you, even for that argument. So for for holding Elias accountable for protecting somebody is him not taking his own life experiences to determine when he thinks an environment is safe and unsafe. It has nothing to do with him dealing with race, because if that's the case, every black man that came around here, Elias be moving her. You just assess that yeah, as but, you go. Yeah, yeah. well, not really. No, because, I mean, there were some folks that pulled up next there, next to us, and he didn't. Listen, I, listen, I, look, I, this is a difficult conversation to have. And let me tell you, let, let me tell you why it's a, it's a difficult conversation. Because on one hand, there are people out there, like there are neighborhoods that I'm not going to go into. You know, maybe that's what you're talking about. My my black experience tells me, like, look, I'm not riding through there because these jokers here, they riding to the core, and they're going to do whatever they're going to do. So I'm going to stay away from that. But then again, on the other side, I guess you could say, but there are some rural c- counties in America that I won't ride through either. You know, so, I mean, look, I think Bloomberg's comments were totally about inappropriate. What are you saying about what? It's not about what, what I just said. It's a disdain for black people. We need to know the difference between inappropriate behavior and somebody who has a bias against you. So then why, why does he have all these black Congress people supporting him, man? I mean, there are things that he's done good for the African-American community. Why is he doing that? What's up with them? Are they, are they Uncle Tom's? No, I'm not so talking about Uncle them. Tom's. Uh, what are they then? That's, over, that's oversimplifying. He bought them. No, I'm asking you, what are they? What, what are these people that's coming out and supporting him? Because, and by the way, what you said about Obama, what you said about him about Obama is absolutely correct. He did not endorse President Obama during the first no. campaign run, and then it took him later in the day in 2012 to support him. Now, all of a sudden, you turn on TV, all me and President Obama's best friends. I'm sorry, but I'm getting emotional. Go ahead, Jerome. The floor is yours. Right. But but you're saying I don't have to call them names because I, I actually have compassion for those those people who are endorsing him because if he put about five million dollars into the congressional um, reelection campaigns he was actually buying yeah. something right it's like what rich people do they buy leverage so no matter what side you on hmm. you have allies because you put money into each campaign so they feel compelled hmm. I think it's the people who actually vote that has the responsibility to say, I understand that you are in a, between a rock and a hard place, but I am voting for that guy. 
and they need to be honest enough to say, I understand. Right? Because we have to understand the position that they're in, and they're just getting bought. So as they're getting bought, that don't mean that you have to vote for them because that guy lobbied for them. We need to be smarter. Right? We can, We should be able to see fraud in front of us. We don't have to expose every black person who's put in an unattainable um, a, um, a position that they can't defend. To give them a pass and be like, I got it. I got it. He got you. Cool. But we ain't voting for him. We need to go for our best interest. And we never do anything for our, to, you know, to p- push forward our own agenda or look out for stuff for our best interest. So we need to see through it. And that's why I'm saying that. And I didn't post this yet, but I am... What I'm going to post about this is I have never donated money to any presidential candidate in my life. Never. Right? As a person who does that prof- does that professionally, I, I get it. But in this case, the deception is so strong, I am going to send some money to Biden. Because the issue is, is that Steyer and the two billionaires, you know, I think Bloomberg spent $300 million by himself to market to black people and black people were susceptible to marketing and so like white folks are but we are liking him then those numbers are moving not because anybody knows who he is it's because of the marketing and what happens every year in politics is that black folks normally say on the ground how come ain't nobody tell us so i'm about to say you know i put my professional credentials on the line and say look you're being marketed to and there's nothing you can do about the fact He's going to overwhelm us with marketing. But my money is going over here because we have to be smarter. Biden is only losing because the, the people who have money are scared of Bernie Sanders. So they won't invest in Biden. Biden can't raise any money because the committees that he sat on as a senator didn't have a lot of lobbyists. You know, it wasn't like the tax writing committees and all of those. He sat on the judicial nomination committees, all of those. There, there was not a lot of lobbyists. So when it comes to raising money, the lobbyists aren't going to Biden. They don't know him. So, and I can't vouch for him not being like everybody else, but all I'm saying is his money problems are coming from someplace else. And so the people with money are, instead of saying, as a billionaire, hey, I want to invest in this candidate for him to win, the arrogance of white men are like, I'm going to do it. And I don't care what kind of negative stuff I've done to black people. They will come on my side if I paid them enough money. And you're about to watch that play itself out, and it's sick. Johnny, man, what do you, what do you, you have a, what now? We have a phone call. Johnny has a phone call? Okay, all right, all right, all right. No, we have a phone call. Okay, who do we have on the line, Mr. Elias? It's Covina, Who do we have on the line? He wants in on, Covina, man, he wants in on this one, man. Come on in, Covina, man, what's happening? Hey, what's going on, can you hear me? Good morning, sir. Yeah, we can hear you. Are you riding your bike? No, I'm in the car uh, driving. I'm on my way to Tucson. I'm about to bike right out there, though, in about an hour. But uh, okay, all right. But uh, I, yeah, I want to say this, man. I, I, I think it's this is like the transatlantic slave trade all over again. You got some gullible black folks trying to sell black people into slavery on this transatlantic ship called Bloomberg, and I'm not buying. <laughs> and only only way he's going. If the black vote, the only power we have, we stick together. Once we divide it, our our influence is done. So you got these two billionaire slave traders trying to buy some Negroes, 
right. Fire and Bloomberg. They're gonna they gonna nullify our vote. Our vote is gonna be canceled, and we're gonna end up with some nut like Bernie or something, or Buttigieg or something like that. This yep. is horrible. It is a bad place, man. We're in a bad place that nobody's ringing an alarm to because they're like, well, you know, some of our politicians are supporting him. And it's like, it ain't about us fighting the politicians who are supporting um, supporting Bloomberg. They got to do what they got to do. But we need to understand that we as a community cannot be susceptible to that. You should not be able to find the, the nearest black man and then act like black people got your support. We need to stop falling for that nonsense. So those of us who know better have to ring that alarm. Like, it, it, it's not even a debate of, you know, was that a long time ago and how to stop in Frisco? You know, Eric Gardner was, was pretty much killed because of the policy of stop and frisk. They thought they had the right to ask him anything that they want to and put that man in a chokehold and take his life. That is a result of stop and frisk. That's no result in, hey, black people do have crime in the area. You can't just not randomly snuff people out because what white supremacy does is it tells people that they have a right as a government to protect white folks' interests, and whatever you do, you have it is more advantageous in the bigger picture that you're regulated so that white folks have more freedom. I mean, in the big picture, that's what it is. And then you get reverse marketing on you by saying, hey, we did all of that for your own benefit. It's like Jay saying that he won't go into projects. Don't go into projects if you don't know nobody in the project. But even if it's dangerous and you have family in there, it ain't that damn dangerous. Right? You just can't go back there and slap nobody. There's stuff you can't do when you're in there, but that doesn't mean you can't walk in it. You should never be afraid of being around your people. That is crazy. But if you're going to floss a Benz or something and put a Rolex in their face and say, hey, poor people, I got money, you might get jacked. You know what I mean? We know that there's actually rules of decorum and how we work as civilized people. But you should not be able to, you should not be that scared to walk amongst your people. So your behavior in those areas is very key to how people treat you. So we should not reduce it to those areas of dangerous and I won't go around there and that one's dangerous. That's not how that goes. There are some great people that come out of those communities who are good people. They are actually held um, captive by the 15 or 10% of people who, ain't, who, who are wrong. But white folks have about 30% of people who are wrong and everybody else keep their mouth shut. And it's that saying that one-third of the people will kill another third of the people while another third will keep quiet. That is the problem that white folks have, that whoever is doing wrong on white folks' side, they will keep their mouth shut. So we, on the other hand, will sell everybody and their mother out for one person doing something wrong that we will justify why we need to have guns drawn on us when we go to a grocery store. You know, it's like the, the show Boondocks where the guy says, uh, Uncle Ruckus say, um, um, I understand why y'all harassing me because he's black. Although he loves white folks, I understand, right? We cannot understand why they are attacking us for no reason because they are scared. Now we're acting like we're scared of our own people, so we justify white folks being scared of us. You know, well, we need to do a better job. Wow. Yeah, we definitely do. Wow. All right, listen, we are, uh, I mean, good God, I mean, this is it. I mean, Jesus Christ, we're, 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 uh, this show has uh, been a, uh, 
This show's been a good show. Let me read a couple of comments because we don't have time to do Chatterbox, but you know we have our favorites. Thanks, Kavina Man, for checking in, man, as always. I want Kavina Man to hang around and give us his final thoughts. Uh, let me read something from the pastor. The pastor says, uh, what a powerful conversation from start to finish. It says, take a bow, gentlemen, and God bless. And Marietta Music says, oh, my God, what an insightful conversation. I am shaking over here. I love you guys so much. Mwah, we love you too, Mariana. Sorry, everyone else. We just don't have time to get into them. Uh, well, I tell you what, man. This has been an uh, this has been a profound uh, experience for me, Johnny D. Man. Let me uh, start off giving you final thoughts and, uh, and let you you know top any loose ends that you may have. I wanted to get your comment because you said what you had to say, and then you were out. So, give me your final thoughts, man, and uh, give me remarks and wrap it up if you don't mind, sir. Always inspiring. I'm certainly appreciative to those who listen in and equally appreciative of the opportunity to be with with, with such great, talented folks. Um, And looking forward to next week, if it's God's will and my purpose. All right. Wow, that was quick. All right, uh, uh, Jerome, man, final thoughts, man. Yes, sir. I know I missed a great portion of the program, but I just want to tell everybody, Keep the faith, keep your head on straight, and everybody have a good week. And I'm sure we'll we'll dust this off and go at it again next week. Now, holla. Absolutely. That's what, that's what brothers do. The man that gets the first and last word here on the serious side, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Man, final thoughts, dude. Wow. Look, look, folks. Um, I, I don't get why you folks don't know your way. You know, I, I, it, it, it is what it is. You know, let's point it out. And if you do racist things, guess what? You're racist. Come on. It's not, it's not rocket scientists, folks. And if you're, doing a, if you're doing something that makes you racist, or if you're doing something that makes you a sexual predator, you're a sexual predator. Just like Trump going up against some women, grabbing them by their crotch, bragging about it, sexual predator. These are things that you need to admit to. And, you know, two folks in the chat room, easy and bubble but you guys are racist. Call it what it is. Stand up for it and believe in it. Claim it. Wow, 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 wow. All right, young lady by the name of Brittany. I usually don't do this, but I want to read this because it's going to be a part of my final comment. She, she's from the chat. Well, she's not from the chat. She's from, uh, uh, I think, from Instagram. But anyway, she's saying that, uh, oh, God, I just lost it. I'm sorry. Oh, she said, I love, love, love the after the break segment. Please make that a part of your regular show. It will be, Brittany, we will. One of the things we definitely try to do is try to spice it up every now and then, uh, trying a new intro out, see how that works, just to see, you know, try to break things up just a little bit. But listen, my final uh, remarks are going to be very short and simple. Uh, when you have an opportunity to tell people that you love them, tell them, right? Because you never know. I mean, tomorrow is not promised. So, any opportunity you get to tell folks that you love them and care about them, you know, let them know that. You know, don't celebrate their life after their life is over because they don't see the reward. Just like what my man Pete Rose said back in the day, I don't want to be in the Hall of Fame after I'm dead. Hell, I'm dead. I can't enjoy it. So at the end of the day, if you have a beef with somebody, give them a call. Be bigger. Be the bigger person. You know what I'm saying? If it's not a situation where they threaten your life or in the case of, you know, persons or racist or whatever, that's a whole different ballgame. But if you have a legitimate problem or a disagreement with somebody, man, tell that person you love them. Because I know a person right now that's walking the face of this planet 
pretty much like you all do, that their last words to a person that's no longer with us were harsh. And that is something and a burden that you're going to carry with you for the remainder of your days. Don't let your last conversation be a bad conversation. That's my thought. That's my opinion. And I'm sticking to it. And on that note, Mr. L.E.S., if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, what time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the J. Wow. So. Folks, it's been a pleasure to serve you as always. And Vanessa Maybelli from the Macinelli, where you are, we don't know. But we love you, we love you, and enjoy what you do. So, for Johnny D, for my main man, Jerome, Mr. Elias, and I'm Jay Ross, saying have a wonderful work week. And remember, for Sunday, when we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side. God bless. Be safe out there, Kavita. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.